Good morning. Good to see each one here this morning. Back on lesson five. Does anyone needs an outline? Don't have an outline? Raise your hand. Got several, brother Eddie. Now, if you was here last week and left it at home, let the others get one first. <laughs> it's the same one we handed out last week. I'm sorry, I should have said that. It's the same. If you got one last week, that's it. So we're talking about uh, the Christian as a running a race. And we covered, started on wider run, and A was uh, run because of the witness of heroic runners. And B is run to win the prize. You know, athletes are, are motivated by winning. Paul spoke of crowns to be obtained uh, for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Now we know that Paul suffered greatly uh, on, during his life here on this earth, but he kept going. He wanted to win those crowns. He wanted to win, win the race. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and this is in your outline, I'm pretty sure, uh, he lists some of these uh, difficulties. Uh, 11 and 24 says, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with, and was, and I've got something typed here wrong, but he was stoned, thrice suffered shipwreck, a night and day have, I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my, by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the, the care of all the churches. So certainly we can see uh, where Paul had a lot on him, but he did not let, his, let him stop his work for the Lord. Have you ever been around somebody, no, no matter what you told them happened, no matter what you had going on, no matter what your problem was, they had something worse? Well, even if Paul was here today, there'd probably somebody say, well, wait a minute, Paul, let me tell you about <laughs> But, you know, they couldn't truthfully say that, but some probably would. Uh, but even one of those problems that Paul had would stop most Christians. When you think about the severity, he didn't name the minor things, he named the major things. Think about all the things he didn't even name. Uh, but any of those major things happen, one of them would stop most Christians. Uh, but he continued, uh, he continued because he wanted to win the prize, even when his life was threatened. 
Paul's story would have been much shorter if it, if it had started like this, or if this had been his story. Of the Jews received thy forty stripes, save one. That ain't even the first thing. He had it, it happened to him five times. It would have been much shorter if he'd quit then. Nobody would have said, Paul, you're lazy, you're sorry. They'd have said, Paul, I understand. People would have understood why he quit, but he didn't quit. But where would we have been had he quit? Where would we have been? Where will it leave people if you quit? You, you might not, and you don't have the influence over as many people as Paul has had, but you have influence over people. And if you quit, whether it's lost people or saved people, it's going to influence their lives. Paul said in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul kept his eyes on the prize. When his body was weak and racked with pain, it was the prize, the fact that he was going to get to heaven and he was going to be face to face with Jesus. When he was hungry and cold, burdened, it was still the prize that motivated him to keep going. It was the prize, the prize, the prize. Paul was always motivated by what he knew was coming in the end. So that's where we need to keep our eyes is, is the end. We can't focus on what we're going through right now. It'll get us out of the race every time. There'll be times when we want to quit. There'll be times when it doesn't seem worthwhile. But remembering the prize will give us the courage to keep on. And you, when we're trying to put an importance on remembering the prize, remembering what's coming, I think what makes it most important is that we know that even Jesus was strengthened to endure the cross when he focused on the joy that was set before him. Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, he knew what was coming. He knew what he had to do, but he knew what was coming too. He knew he was going to be in heaven again. And when he did that, he made the incorruptible crown available for us to attain as well. If Jesus hadn't done it, none of us could do it. If Jesus hadn't have made the way to heaven, we couldn't get to heaven. One day every Christian will see Jesus face to face and what a joy that will be when we're able to hear the Lord say, well done thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Paul said again in 1 Corinthians 9.24, so run that ye may obtain. Now we know that Paul was writing to the, to the uh, Hebrews, and uh, if we go back, and, and the Corinthians, we know that he was writing through a letter. With this verse, he is actually cheering them on as if he were in the grandstands at an Olympic race. He's saying, run that you may obtain. You know, if you, was in a, if you was at the Olympics and they were running and your country was running and you'd be cheering them on, run, 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 run. Now I'm going to show you three slides and ask you the same question about each one. 
Don't answer out loud, okay? All right? First one is very easy, so but don't answer out loud. All right? How many are in this race? How many are in this race? How many are in this race? Now, the answer actually is the exact same to each one. What's the answer? Well, let's look at that verse. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the price, so run that ye may obtain. So the answer is in the exact middle of the verse. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the price, so run that ye may obtain. We are all in a race. Paul's saying you're all in a race. He didn't write to the, to the elders of the church and say, listen, you're in a race. He didn't write to the lay people of the church and say, listen, you're in a race. He said you're all in a race. All of us are running a race. Paul says, so run that you may obtain. Run to win the prize. Now, sometimes you may tend to think, well, if, if I could see heaven, if I could, you know, it'd be easier if it wasn't by faith. If, you know, if we actually had some tangible, well, you've got the Holy Spirit, and that's the tangibles you're going to get. And if you're saved, you know you have that. Uh, but we may tend to think, see, if I could see it, uh, well, let's see what those that saw heaven. Now we have two people in the Bible that saw heaven. And the two people in the New Testament that saw heaven. One was Paul and one was John. Acts 9.16 Well, sorry. 2 Corinthians 12 and 2 Paul says, and he's talking about himself. If we read all the, the verses, we would see that he was talking about himself. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. But before that, God showed Paul something else. Acts 9, 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So, not only did Paul go through what he went through, he knew what he was going to go through before he went through it. Now, he may not know to every point, but it was made plain to him that he was going to suffer greatly. But then after that, God gives him a glimpse of heaven. Maybe, maybe it was to just to help him to make it through. I don't know. But God doesn't want to. He wants us to believe by faith. The same way that we're saved, he wants us to trust and what the Word of God says by faith. But you know, interesting enough, Paul doesn't tell us one thing he saw in heaven. Don't tell us anything. He did say he heard something. 2 Corinthians 12 and 4, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which was not lawful for a man to utter. 
Now, I find it sort of interesting that there's two men that God showed heaven to. Now, John was the other one. Now, he did say some things about what he saw. But he also said something about what he heard. Revelation 10, 4. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. In other words, John said, this is worth writing down. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. One could conclude that what we hear in heaven will be more spectacular than what we see. Now, we don't think about that very often. We think about what we're going to see when we get to heaven. But what in the world are we going to hear? What is so great about what these two men heard that it was so spectacular that we can't know it? Heaven's worth waiting for. Heaven is worth gaining the prize. God puts a lot of emphasis on what we hear. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when we receive the word of God which ye heard when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us I'm sorry we got that on here which ye heard of us ye received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So he's telling us you're hearing the word of God and you're trusting in that and it works in you. So it's not just the word of God that gets us saved. It continues to work in us after we're saved. It brings us into maturity when we listen and believe uh, the word of God. There's no reason to think hearing is not going to be important in heaven. I think it's going to be very important. There's no reason to think that all, we get to heaven and then the word is no longer valuable. It's still going to be valuable. What we hear is still going to be important in heaven. So next we have how to run. Number two, how to run. Running is an intense sport that requires diligent discipline through training. An untrained runner cannot get up one morning and say, I think I'm going to go run the Olympics. Well, they wouldn't let him on track. If they did, he'd be embarrassed. He must learn to run properly even to qualify for the race. There's not one runner. I guess the Olympics are this year, aren't they? There's not one runner in any Olympic race, not even one qualifier, not even the worst one there that any of us could outrun. And I would say that I know we got sort of older generation here, but I'd say that about anybody in the church. Nobody is going to outrun the worst one there. God has given us specific instructions on running our Christian race. And when we follow his instructions, we'll be equipped to run the race. So A, run with all you have. Now a, a runner in, doesn't just involve their legs, he has to involve his entire body. He's, he's got muscles and weight, his weight distribution in his body when he's uh, physically fit. And he has to put that in the, in the right proportion. He has to, his body counterbalances itself where he can run faster. He's got the muscles in his legs. But he's got, so, he's got muscles everywhere that help him to run faster. 
The runner who only gives half-hearted effort is not the winner of the race, but must have concentrated focus. And a half-hearted effort is ineffective in the Christian race as well. Jim Elliott, missionary to Ecuador, said, Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Now we're talking about a man that at 28 went into a tribe that settled most of their differences by murder. And he was killed for that at 28 years old because he lived to the hilt every moment in his life. Give 100% running the race that God has set before you. Great Christians are not Christians that have more to give. We may look at, at some great Christians of today that we would call great and say, well, they, they had this advantage or they had that advantage. That's not what makes them great. Great Christians are Christians that give all they have. Jesus said the widow woman that gave two mites was a great Christian. She was a great woman because she gave all she had. When we give of ourselves and we give all we can, then we're a great Christian. Nobody might ever hear of us, but God knows. Colossians 3 and 23 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not unto men. Now, in every school, there's people that do not like P.E. Raise your hand if you did not like P.E. in school. All right, several of you raised your hand. Didn't like P.E. I didn't mind it except for one year. I won't go into that. But anyway, in high school sports, I was in the IWAA. I wasn't an athlete. No matter how hard I tried, when we were had track in PE, I come in third from last in the hundred yard dash. Give it everything I could, and I was third from last every race they run. It was with the same guys. I was third from last every time we run it. But one morning, the coach sprung a long distance run on us and I, I still remember that morning oh, oh what we gotta run that far because you, you go here and you go here it was all basically all, all the way around the whole school campus is what we had to run and it started off like this uphill of course I got up the hill and I was pretty much in the back of the pack you know but I noticed everybody else was you know they were just as winded as I was and uh I noticed they said they were winded, but I kept trying hard, and I started passing people. And they were faster than I was. So I started thinking, if I pass that guy, I can pass that guy. If I pass him, I can pass him. So I kept running. I gave it all I had and finished second from the first that day. Now, had I become a star athlete? No, not at all. The other guys were great at running 11 to 12 seconds. But anything over 440 yards, they'd fizzle out. 
They wouldn't put out the effort. Now, they could have easily outrun me, but they just, they just didn't. They just quit. I mean, they didn't stop, but they quit trying. And you may be a Christian, and you ain't quit, but you ain't trying. we got to try. you got to put forth the effort. you got to give it the best you can. The best you can may come be third from last in a lot of areas. But if you give it the best you can, you may come in second or first somewhere. We must all remember that Christ is worthy of our all. He made and purchased us with his blood. He gave it all. How could we withhold anything from him? He didn't withhold anything from us. He didn't say, Lord, I'll go down there, but then that, that one thing right there, Lord, that you said over here in the Old Testament, I'm not going to do that. No, he did it all. He fulfilled every part of what God said he was going to do. And then we must run within the rules. Just as there are codes for running a race, including qualifications for entering the race as well as winning the race, even so God has given us instructions for running the Christian race. We only enter the race by trusting in the sacrifice Jesus made for our sins. So there's qualifications for an Olympic race. You have to win so many races. You can't just come up one day and maybe you've been practicing, you've been training hard and all on your own, and you enter one race in a country somewhere, and you win that race, you don't get an Olympics. You've got to have a track record. You've got to have so many wins. You've got to have certain qualifications to make it into the Olympics. Well, we have qualifi a qualification to make it to heaven. There's one qualification that everybody has the same, is that they trust in the blood of Jesus Christ as their Savior. You're not in the race. You can't be in the race. You can fake the race, but you can't be in the race if you don't trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit guides us in applying God's instructions for living the Christian life. Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So God saves us, but he also, through the Holy Spirit that we attain by the blood of Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in how to run the Christian race. Of course, we have God's Word, but we have the Holy Spirit that reveals God's Word to us and helps us to understand the part of that that God wants us to understand. You say, well, I don't understand it all. When I understand it all, I'm going to get to work for the Lord. You're never going to do it then. Because there's nobody in this building, in, on this campus, that understands it all. Nobody anywhere that understands it all. God's grace gives every Christian runner the ability to navigate the Christian racetrack, the racetrack of the world. From God's Word, we learn to live a victorious Christian life. Through God's grace, we are empowered to do it. It's only by his grace that he allows us to be in the race. In 1980, for the first time ever, a woman was the first to cross the finish line for the Boston Marathon. But shortly after Rosie Ruiz accepted her gold medal and her victory laurels, 
officials questioned her win. Well, you might say, well, I never realized anybody, a woman ever won the Boston Marathon. That's because a woman never won the Boston Marathon. I did check that out, by the way, before I said that. I said, I better go back. I don't see how one could, but we'll see. Uh, they wondered why she was not present at any of the video footage in the race. And they, why none of the checkpoint monitors seen her pass. And several onlookers admitted to having seen Rosie enter the race during the last mile. So she was stripped of her marathon title. Sometimes we are tempted only to appear to live according to God's instructions. We feel like, well, if everybody thinks I got it all together, that's good enough. But it's not good enough. You're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not even in the race if that is the, the attitude that you have. Well, if so-and-so and so-and-so and this other person, they, if they, as long as they think I'm doing okay, I'm all right. But you're not all right. God's desire is that our outward actions would be a reflection of the work he is doing in his heart, in, in your heart. So we know the work that God's doing in our heart so is what we're doing a reflection of that? Or is what we're doing an image of what we think other people want to see? It needs to be a reflection of what God has done in our heart. And then to see, run without weights. Now you may have heard Brother Russell talking about being in the military and when they're training they put so much weight on you and you run up these hills, you, you know, he whole lot of details and then they'll put more weight on you and then they'll put more weight on you and they do that because when you get out if you're in battle or if you're in a war area you're, you you got to carry that weight you got to carry that weight there's, there's no there's supply truck no canteen truck running behind you you know giving you get all your stuff you what you use in battle is what you have on you that's all you got and that's essential for modern warf warfare. But it wouldn't make sense for a marathon runner to have all that weight on. Now, he, do he doesn't, he has to lay aside every weight that they possibly can. You'll see them, the clothing they have, it may cover their body, but it probably don't weigh two ounces. It's going to be as light as they can make it, as light of material as they can make. When we start the Christian race, we have weights we need to lay aside. And if you've been a Christian for a while and you see people that get saved, you, you know that they have weights that, or that they're going to have, they need to stop this and need to stop that. Not that we can make them do it, but you know, if you know their lives, you, you know some of the weights they have that they're going to, have to, they're going to need to put down. And hopefully they, they put those weights down. While we do a pretty good job at this, the problem with a lot of Christians is they either pick them back up or pick up new weights along the way. And we have to be careful of picking up new weights. We have to be careful of what we get involved in, the people that we're involved with, and make sure they're not slowing us down in our Christian walk. Many times we may think that someone is a, a help to our Christian walk, but after a while, maybe we need to realize, maybe they're slowing me down. 
And although you may have made friends with them, if they're slowing you down, you got to start cutting that friendship off. you got to start cutting it back. If they're a weight, you got to cut the weight. Hebrews 12 and 1 admonishes the Christian runner to do the same. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Now, weight's anything that, that holds you back in your Christian walk. It may not be sinful, but if it restricts you from running your race, it's foolish. It may include activities, habits, relationships, whatever it is. If it's keeping you from doing what God has laid on your heart that you need to do, if it's making you stumble, if, the, if you're in running the high hurdles, you, you've got to... You've got to have every, or low hurdles. I could barely get over the low hurdles. Forget the high hurdles in high school. But you, you've got to have every step just right. If you're running the hurdles and you step six inches too long, you're not going to get over that hurdle. You've got to have it right. So we have to be careful for things that get in our way. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now those things which are behind are those things which hinder us. Those things which are before us are those things that will help us. So we have to leave behind the weights and look forward and Really cling on to those things which help us. And then D, run with patience. If you're not a, you know, a runner, if you haven't really thought about it, you say, well, run and race and patience. They don't go together. But a runner has to be patient. If, any of it's, if it's a 100-yard dash or a 100-meter what they run now, uh, the runner's got to be patient when he's in that starting block. If he's not patient, he'll start too soon and he'll be disqualified. I think in most races, you're disqualified. I mean, you're, you start too fast one time, they'll start over. You do it again, you're out of the race. So you've got to be patient. Long-distance runners, they have to pace themselves. They have to be patient and run the right speed. When a race requires... The intensity of running with determination of patience. Without patience to train and press on to the finish line, even talented runners will not win the race. Born prematurely at four and a half pounds, no one would have guessed the future of Wilma Rudolph. At age four, she contracted polio, which twisted her left leg. And footing required her to wear braces. Doctors were confident that she would never walk again. And of course, at you know, this time when polio was, uh, a lot of people would get it, you would assume that you would never walk again. During a routine doctor's visit, Wilma shocked the doctor when she stood up, took the braces off, and walked across the floor. She disclosed her secret was persistently and painfully walking a little bit each day. And that was a turning point in her life. At 16, 
Women will be coming to competed in the 1956 Olympics and returned home with a bronze medal in the 4 by 100 meter relay. Four years later, she returned to the 1960 Olympics and won three gold medals, the 100 meter, the 200 meter, and the 4 by 100 meter relays. But it was out of a necessity. She had to be patient. She had to keep working at what seemed to be absolutely impossible. Without the patience to endure the pain, she would have never walked without the brace. She certainly would have never competed in the Olympic Games. Patience in a race is the inner strength to refuse to become frustrated and quit when one is exhausted or energy injured. Perhaps you're experiencing dif difficulties and have been tempted to, to fall out of the Christian race, but don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Just keep on keeping on. We'll stop right there and pick up next week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, help us, Lord, to stay in the Christian race. And, Lord, not just to be in the race with the crowd, Lord, but give us the desire, Lord, to win the race, Lord, to have something, Lord, to give to you. In Jesus' name we pray.